Today on Stick to Football, we have another great prospect interview for you with Hunter Bryant, the tight end from the University of Washington. We're going to talk about our fantasy rookie picks because it's always fantasy football time and answer your draft on draft questions. Uh, also, uh, we're recording this Tuesday morning. Tonight, Connor and I are going to be the guest commentators during the BR GOAT simulations. Um, I honestly don't know who uh, we are commentating for, though. I believe we have Chiefs Broncos, which I was saying okay. is the Elway, the Elway Mahomes matchup, which I like is pretty that. sweet. I'll yes. have to pretend like I'm not a Chiefs fan for the night, but you can watch. No, I all- would like you to be, because then it- I'll take the Broncos and we'll make some stupid bet over it or uh, something. The Broncos will win, I do believe. Uh, you can watch all three of us, Matt Mel Connor on Bleach Report's YouTube right now, or of course, listen wherever you get your podcast. But guys, Monday night, they did four of these simulation games, and I tried, I, I you know, everybody's working from home, we got our kids at home all the time, tried to watch some of these. There were some massive upsets in my opinion, the Redskins beat the Cowboys. Let's start there. I think the Cowboys were a sneaky favorite to win this thing. No, it did not happen. Sneaky. I, I can't believe that the Redskins, I guess, same <laughs> on any given Monday night of a Bleacher <laughs> right. Report Madden simulation game, you just don't know who's going to win. I, I bet a lot of people that were betting money on this are pretty upset because you'd have to think that the Cowboys are going to come out victorious on this thing. One of the greatest franchises in all of the NFL and they lose to the Redskins. I think part of the problem was Troy Aikman was the third quarterback on the roster because they let the fans vote on that part of it. Who was the starter? I think it was Roger Staubach. As long as it wasn't Romo. I, he was second. So Yeah, that's maybe. right. They were saying he was second. Yeah, and then the Patriots beat the Dolphins, and it was like a smackdown. And I really thought Dan Marino and you know Duper at wide receiver, like that, you know, there would be some talent in there. They should have nope. just played the seventy-two Dolphins. Like that's right. they should have just made them run with it Jason out there Taylor. one more time. <laughs> yeah, except with Dan Marino instead of Greasy. Yeah, so Patriots win, which I know uh, makes everyone here incredibly happy. The here's one didn't see this coming. I actually was talking smack on Twitter before Jaguars Colts. It was like the Colts are going to kill Jacksonville. Like who's even on the Jacksonville team? Well, they're pretty good actually, and they beat they the are. Colts, which shocked the Colts. Have Peyton Manning. Not the Broncos. The Colts do, and the Jags beat them, which was a gigantic surprise to me. Go Fred Taylor, though. I mean, any given Monday night. Again, any given simulation. You have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, and I think when you look at it, everybody assumed that Colts offense would put up like 70 points a game with how much talent they have at every single skill position and Peyton Manning. Yeah, uh, turns out Peyton Manning, not mobile, and that does affect you in this game. And then the final one, uh, Panthers beat the Falcons. So Michael Vick is out of this thing now. Um, I believe a single elimination. So Michael Vick is out. Uh, Cam Newton and the Panthers roll on, though. If they would have used the 2004 simulator to do this, no one would have beat the Falcons. But using that 20 version, I guess I I think the Chiefs are going to be scary in this now because Pat Mahomes and the way that he is in that game. I haven't played it a whole lot, uh, but I know that Pat Mahomes is dominant, almost as dominant as he is in real life in Madden. So I think the Chiefs are going to be scary. I'll be eager to see what you guys do with that tonight. But the Falcons being out again, I... I thought Michael Vick would just be too much, but apparently Luke Keekley leading these Panthers again is just too much on defense. The Falcons couldn't do anything. Well, Julius Peppers. Right? Low-key good team. All right, on to some real football news here. We got uh, we got a pretty big offseason one from Mike Garofolo saying that, and this isn't shocking, multiple teams are interested in Yannick Ngakwe. Guys, let's just start it here. Why is Jacksonville what's clearly a fractured relationship Holding on so long here, do you think that teams just haven't ponied up what they probably consider as a fair price of a first-rounder? 
I do think that, and I think it's more than one, not multiple first-rounders, but I think it's going to be a first-rounder plus. This is something um, I hear a lot of people talk about. DeForest Buckner was just traded for 13 overall, and, and he's a very good player, but I think we would all argue that a 25-year-old edge rusher is more valuable than a 25-year-old defensive tackle, especially unless you're Aaron Donald. And so for Ngakwe, I think we are seeing Jacksonville try to hold out a little bit longer to get more, to get a first this year maybe a third this year or future picks so that they can really stock up this rebuild. It's a team that already has two first-round selections, right? They already have nine, and they have 20 overall. So uh, another first-round pick puts them in, in pretty special territory where they could because we've seen – I mean, they've gotten rid of Calais Campbell, Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boy. I, I can't believe Leonard Fournette's still on the roster at this point. And now you have Yannick Igakwe, who I, I do think will get moved before the draft or during the draft on April 23rd. But that asking price is going to be pretty significant. Yeah, and I mean, he's definitely voicing it. He tweeted yesterday about how he wants out and how his time there in Jacksonville is just done. He's not making the market any stronger for himself, I can tell you that. But maybe he can force his way out. I, I hate it for players. We get trapped in the situation where you know the team wants to move on. You know that you want to move on. But you're just stuck. You're stuck in limbo. Uh, you don't have any trades going through. It sucks for him. Uh, hopefully a deal gets done soon. But I would not be surprised if this thing drags out until draft night. Well, when you look across the board of players that have been openly disgruntled, get their way in the NFL, it seems like. We just yes. saw Stephon Diggs moved. This happens a lot now, and it's something that Trent Williams' agent had said through a statement that, you know, Trent Williams is a guy that's doing this the right way. He's been very, very quiet. Now he's fed up and feels like because he did it the right way, he didn't get what he wanted. I think Ngakwe has seen both sides of this, and that's why he's been very vocal on Twitter for quite some time right now. Well, and it worked. Jalen Ramsey, you know, it, it it, you, it you works. have an example in your own organization where that works. You know, I mean, no one wants to go full Antonio Brown, but it it got him out of Pittsburgh, and and he was the first one really to use almost like an NBA player type platform to say uh, I don't want to play here anymore. And, and you know, you that stuff definitely has happened behind closed doors, but has never been on social media. And so I think with with Ngakwe, I do think. He will get moved because of that reason. <clears throat> now, I think where, like to Connor's original point was, I actually believe that Jacksonville could be hurting their value by holding on to him because you're going to reach a point of no return where you have, I mean, by the end of day one of the draft, if you're still holding on to this player, you've already kicked your return on investment a year down the road at this point. So there's going to be pressure on Jacksonville to get a deal done, which is why I think Mike Garofalo is probably poking that bear today. There's probably been, you know, he's been, you know, told something from sources to do that, to, to re up this because the longer the Jacksonville holds on to Ngakwe, I would think his value only goes down because he's not reporting under that franchise tag guys. There's no way in hell he's going to show up. So it's like trade him now or you're running the risk of really, really devaluing this player. Yeah, I mean, it's like Josh Rosen last year where they held on to him for a very long time, even after they had already drafted another quarterback. Uh, I, if Jacksonville's sitting there, you know, and they've already drafted another edge rusher like a, a Chase on or the guy that I forgot to mention on Monday, Eater Gross Matos. I, I think the value just decreases, and then you don't see the return on investment that you're wanting for a guy like Yannick Ngakwe because teams know, well, you already drafted his replacement. He's not coming back. We'll give you a third-round pick for him. Yeah, the one thing I will say is this being a weak edge class after Chase Young and depending you know, what te how teams are valuing Caleb on Chase on from day one and somebody like Gross Matos, 
it, it should help them, you would think. You would think there's a Frank Clark trade out on the table there. Yep. I mean, you look at what the Chiefs gave up last year. It feels like that's comparable for a guy like Ngakwe because let's be real, guys. He is probably going to get $20 million a year because of his age, how good of a player he is. So I think it goes both ways, but I'm with both of you that Jacksonville you know, should really look to get this done by the end of April. If you're Baltimore, I mean, don't you don't you at least call? I mean, you're picking be a so late thing. in the first round. It, it might be. It it absolutely could be a money thing. But like in terms of just like scheme fit, I think Baltimore. Oh, forget it. Seattle. Like if just Seattle doesn't want Jadavia Clowney. Oh yeah, I mean, it, there are so many different things you could do here. But when you talk about when you talk about money, uh, okay, the Dolphins could do it, but I don't know that the Jags are going to trade with uh, with the Dolphins, and then the Jets, the Jets could do it. But do they? Yep. They're not giving up eleven for him. They, they do have two second round picks, right? Two second round picks. I don't think that alone is enough to get Ngakwe though. No, you'd have to start looking into future picks. Exactly, Mello. That's exactly it, is that teams... And will Jacksonville... You know, where do they feel they are right now with their team? Do they feel like they need to get picks this year because there might be some people there that feel like they're on the hot seat right now? So these are the politics that play into trades and what ultimately always hurts the player at the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. It is going to be fascinating to see uh, what happens to Ngakwe. What happens to Trent Williams? Does he end up a Brown? Does he end up a Jet? Uh, does he end up a Patriot? There's been a lot of speculation that he could wind up somewhere uh, outside of the NFC East. But guys, let's take a break. We come back. We're going to give you our fantasy rookie picks for the 2020 season. And then Hunter Bryant, tight end from Washington, joins the show. All right, let's take a look at some of the top rookies as far as fantasy football goes. We are about three weeks from the NFL draft. And uh, Mello got in here first. I'll just go ahead and say that. But also, I looked at this from a... For 2020, not like a dynasty where you're going to draft this guy and have them for the rest of your career. You guys may have done it a little bit differently. That's okay. There were no rules on this thing. So at quarterback, I went with Justin Herbert because I believe outside of Joe Burrow, he is most likely to be the start a starting quarterback out of this rookie class. Jordan loves a dev guy. Tua, depending on where he goes now, healthy he is, might not start right away. Not a Jacob Eason fan. Not sure Jalen Hurts starts this year. So that's where I went at quarterback. At running back, I somehow stole DeAndre Swift, and I'm very, very happy about this. I think what he will bring to the table as a runner and receiver makes him very valuable from a fantasy football perspective. I would think no matter where you stand on Jonathan Taylor or the other running backs in this class, from a fantasy perspective, I would think DeAndre Swift is the uh, the no-brainer RB1. At wide receiver, Mello stole Jerry Judy because he hates me. So I took Henry Ruggs. I think Ruggs will definitely give you uh, if it's a PPR league, you'd probably want CeeDee Lamb, but uh, if you're just going yards and touchdowns, I think Ruggs is going to be uh, very, very productive in that role. Tight end, I want Cole Komet. Again, this is not a great tight end class, so scheme fit is going to matter a lot for these guys. If Komet goes to like the Bears in round two, I would love the opportunity to change this pick because uh, the Bears are, are not going to throw the ball very well. And then my flex position... I went with a little bit of a sleeper here, not a first-round name. Darrington Evans from App State. I think he'll be a third-round pick. I love his speed. I think he's a very good receiver out of the backfield. So if you're looking for like an Austin Eckler-type back, Evans is my dude. 
And like you said, I got in here first. I took Joe Burrow. I think that's the no-brainer when you look at fantasy needs and and what's going to happen here. He's going to start day one. He's going to be with the Bengals. He's going to be with A.J. Green. He's going to be with Joe Mixon. They're getting Jonah Williams back on the offensive line. It should be a good setup. He's walking into a good situation there in Cincinnati, which is not something Bengals fans have heard in a very long time. But I, I think that Joe Burrow... If for some reason you needed to take a quarterback and there was a rookie in fantasy football, Joe Burrow, I think, has to be the guy. And for Jonathan Taylor, the, the reason I didn't go with DeAndre Swift here is because I think that DeAndre Swift is actually a running back that's going to have to be paired with another back for a while. That's why when we did our fantasy dra- or our mock draft, so many drafts going on, I took him with the Falcons because I think pairing him with a back is going to be good for him in those first couple of years. He, he did it at Georgia. He, he's not the bell carry cow back that's going to carry the ball 20 plus times in a game. He just hasn't done that yet. Jonathan Taylor is. Jonathan Taylor can come into any organization, any scheme right now, carry the ball 20 plus times a game and be productive. I think he's going to be the most productive running back uh, as far as rookies go. Wide receiver, Jerry Judy. Um, I actually, I was trying to be nice, and I didn't take my number one guy here. I took Jerry Judy. I would have taken CeeDee Lamb, but I think that Jerry Judy can come in and depending on the situation that he lands in, could be a Pro Bowl guy his rookie year. I really think that he's going to have very good production. He's going to get open. He can run routes. He's got good, solid hands. I know he dropped some passes late in the year. This guy, can he's got good hands. He can run. He can do everything. Jerry Judy's a pick at receiver for me. At tight end, not a good tight end class. I almost went Adam Troutman here, but I'm going to go with Albert O. The big target ran a 4-4 at the 40, in the 40. I think that he can be productive. I think that he can learn to block and be that inline tight end. So if you're making me take a tight end here, Albert O is going to be one that I target. And for the flex position, I'm going Antonio Gibson. I don't know what position this guy's going to play out of Memphis. I, I think that he could be really good at running back. I don't know if he even wants to play running back. But I know that he can come in and play the slot receiver. And if you're in a PPR league, you're going to get some receptions from him. You're probably going to get some rushing yards. Hell, you might get some return yardage from him. I think he's a do-it-all guy who really doesn't have a solid position yet. But that doesn't matter when you're looking at fantasy, when you have this flex, flex position available. How does Memphis always have that guy? They Always. Have, I was looking back at their depth from like 2018. They had the two guys last year, Henderson and Pollard. They had the freshman now, Kenny Gainwell. They had Patrick Taylor, who's going to be drafted this year. And they had Antonio Gibson all on one team. Five running backs that are going to be drafted pretty high all on the same no team. No wonder Norvell got a job. Exactly. Yeah, right. when you have that stable of running backs. Like that rivals what Georgia and Alabama have had over the years. Absolutely. And that's how you end up having to put a guy like Gibson at wide receiver, who I do believe said he feels very comfortable at running back. I thought he said that the senior bowl. So I like that pick a lot. What an athlete he is. And the running back film, there's not a lot of it, but it's really good when you get through it. All right, let's start here. Quarterback, I went with Tua. I know he's not going to be your full season guy. He's not going to be ready to go. I see Tua as a draft and stash kind of guy where down the stretch in the playoffs, he's probably going to be playing for whoever drafts him. They're going to take a look at him. And I could see Tua coming in and just lighting it up for that couple weeks that hopefully he's you know fully back and healthy. I, I love what Tua could do from day one. Second here, running back. This is the one that, to me, can really light the fantasy world on fire. It's Clyde Edwards E. Lair. Because, guys, I look at his draft projection, and it seems to be the middle of round two. Texans, Bucks, Steelers. He can get RB1 kind of volume 
being picked by one of those teams, whether it's, I mean, the Bucks have Rojo, but still, there's touches there for Edward Z. Lair. The Steelers, we know if he goes there, he'll be an absolute workhorse. And once again, a pro-ready back with contact balance that can also catch the football. All right, wide receiver, C.D. Lamb, no-brainer. Melo, thank you for not taking him. You're welcome. I think it's just, when you look at it, he's somebody that's going to get an insane amount of targets. He catches the ball really well, and he makes things happen happen after the catch. The most important thing with C.D. Lamb in terms of fantasy is he is so reliable in the red zone where I think he's a 10-touchdown guy from day one when he comes into the NFL. Tight end here, I cheated. I went with Chase Claypool <laughs> yeah, because, listen, Cole Komet went to Matt, Alberto went to Mello. I don't like this tight end class at all all really after that uh maybe Devin CSC from UCLA is somebody that kind of has a good rookie season but overall there's no one coming in and lighting it up as a pass catcher maybe the guy that is coming on our show today Hunter Bryant is someone that could do that but I look at Claypool uh, his size profile the way he plays his mismatch athleticism for the seam he should play move tight end at the next level it's a no-brainer to me in my eyes flex here I went with another wide receiver and that's Michael Pittman just because I think he can win with deep speed but he's a really good possession guy Uh, top five hands in this draft for Michael Pittman and once again I think he's a player that he's not going to be drafted in a team that you know needs a number one wide receiver where he's going to see the number one corner or double coverage. It feels like he'll be the number two or number three guy in an already established offense where the targets could come to him, kind of like we saw early with Chris Godwin in Tampa Bay. Yeah, like Connor's got a big team there. Man, thick players. We're the ba- it's the basketball team besides our quarterback. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, he's a good point guard. You know, he's a distributor. I like He's going to have to play right. the two spot with Clyde Edwards on that roster. Right. Yes. That's exactly. right. I drafted the all fantasy basketball team. Right. That's, that's not a bad way to build a team. All right. Let's take a break. We come back. We'll get that guy you were talking about. Hunter Bryant uh, coming on the show to talk about a little bit of a hype video. He's going to be posting Wednesday morning when you're listening to Stick to Football. Another great prospect interview here on Stick to Football. We have, uh, I think, the most athletic tight end of the 2020 class. Someone who's going to be a matchup nightmare. That's Hunter Bryant from the University of Washington. Hunter, thank you for waking up early there in the Pacific time zone to come on with us, man. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Now, one thing I want to ask you about, we are actually going to be releasing, uh, you you are, and then we're going to tweet it out as well, uh, a little bit of a hype video on Wednesday morning that's just going to remind teams and fans of those teams the type of athlete, the type of playmaker that you are. Uh, what kind of went into your guys' decision to do this? Uh, really, it was on my agent. He just hit me up and said he's trying to make a little video, so I was with it, really, because I got a lot of faith in him. So, really, just went out, uh, hooped for a little bit. Um, just had fun with it, really. And just got back on the court, which is where, where I really started it. And you play a lot of basketball. Is there something about you playing with the Washington basketball team? Is that true? Yes, yeah, so I'd always uh, chill with all the hoopers on the team. Just hang out with them, kick it with them. Especially my freshman year, I was hooping with them. And, uh, I mean, yeah, just drew, drew a great connection with the team. Hunter, obviously the nation is kind of in shutdown mode right now. How has that changed, you know, your ability to train and just get ready for the draft overall day-to-day? Yeah, I mean, really it hasn't changed anything for me. Like, I still do the same things every day. I still go to my gym and work out and get treatment and uh, really just do some PT. And uh, so, really, that's just my day-to-day. What uh, has it been like trying to communicate with teams? I know a lot of that's going to go through your agent, but – you know, I'm sure you're. You know, you're going to do this interview with us, and then you're going to have to FaceTime or Skype with coaches and general managers. Uh, how has that been for you, just trying to manage your schedule? 
Yeah, I mean, that's just really a different layout. I'm not really used to doing a lot of FaceTime interviews that are, like, really important. But, um, yeah, so that's just kind of something I got to get used to, really. And yeah, being here, like, doing everything over the phone, it's just, I don't know, it's weird for me. So I'm more of, like, a physical person, you feel me? And I like being there, like, in person, having conversation. So it's just a different layout that I got to get used to. But I, mean, I think I'm doing pretty good so far. Are you throwing the suit and tie on for the FaceTime? So you, you, you go a T-shirt. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, no, I for sure put a little shirt on. I ain't trying to be disrespectful. In there you there. go. So <laughs> have you had a lot of team meetings so far? I know it's a little weird uh, with the draft process, how it's working out this year, but have you had a chance to talk to a lot of teams so far? Yeah, I've talked to a good amount of teams, really. I think I've talked to about 10 at this point, and then we still got the whole month to go before the draft. So we're going to see really where how everything falls. Hunter, I know on the depth chart you're listed at tight end, but it feels like you're just an offensive weapon. You play receiver, you play tight end, in line, move tight end. What have teams really been asking you to do at the next level, or do you have a preference of what you like to do? Um, Really, I like doing everything. Like, as long as I could do something that the coach likes to get me on the field, like, regardless of what it is, like, I want to be able to do it. And I think that's what kind of all the teams that are hitting me up are, like, really talking about. Like, they all want something different out of me, which I think is really cool and unique. But, yeah, just talking to them, like, seeing how – some want me in the backfield a lot, kind of at fullback and coming out the back wow. routes. And then some, yeah, want me as like the end line, like as the guy that can do both the blocking and pass catching. And some really just want me as like a receiver. And so kind of getting all those different aspects of the game. I mean, I'm just having fun with it, really. I'm excited to see where I'm going to end up and what my role is going to be. Is that something you're comfortable with, doing a little bit of everything? Like like Connor said, you were asked yeah, to do a definitely. lot of Washington. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm, I definitely feel like I'm really comfortable just on the football field, like that's where that's where I find the most comfort in life. Honestly, it's just on the field, and so anything that want me to do or ask me to do, like I feel like I'm able to do it, and I feel like I'm versatile enough to be able to line up anywhere and be productive. But yeah, so what about your favorite sport? Like you talk about football a lot. We open with basketball. Is football the number one sport, or is it basketball? No, nah, football's always been the number one sport. But um, basketball, just growing up, I had a lot of fun with it, and always just be at the park, just shooting and hooping and. That's how I would spend a lot of my like free time in the off season. I wasn't training. I'd just be hooping to stay in shape. But I mean I fell in love with basketball, but football is always my number one. Hunter, what was that adjustment like going from Jake Browning to catching Jacob Eason's fastball? It was definitely a little bit of a difference. Like they're different players, both very elite players in my eyes. I have a lot of respect for both of them. But yeah, the arm that Ethan has is is incredible, really. Like I seen him do some things that a quarterback like or at quarterback that I've never seen in my life. But, yeah, his fastball, it comes it comes with some heat for sure. And so I just can't acclimate to that, um, especially on, like, in-breaking routes and, like, digs or slants. That was, like, a big adjustment period, I think, for everyone, especially, like, just through fall camp and all that. But, I mean, once you get used to it, I feel like it's not that bad at all. We had some of the Georgia guys say he has the strongest arm they've ever seen, and he was a freshman there. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, I remember I saw him throw, like, a 70-yard ball off his back foot to, like, the opposite sideline from the far hash. <laughs> I was like, yo, like, I've never seen no shit like that in my life. That's insane. Uh, I, the whole world's obviously, like, flipped upside down right now. What was your draft weekend plan before uh, everybody got told to stay at home? And what is your draft weekend plan now? Um, I didn't really have a plan, to be honest, for draft weekend. But I think now it's really just have, like, a little get-together, like, some family and friends just over and just relaxing and wait for the call. 
Yeah, it's, that's it's, all we really can do. It's probably going to suck. I mean, usually you see the pan to <laughs> the the room and you have the whole family over. Now you're going to have to limit it. Uh, what What's it going to take to get me on that guest list? Oh, no, I could put you on easy. There no we go. Good luck getting there, Mello. <laughs> yeah, I'll start right. driving to Washington <laughs> yeah, right real. now. Right, yeah, you're not going to an airport. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hunter, is there anything uh, anything crazy teams asked you during meetings? Obviously, you got to go to the Combine before all this shut down, all the pro days and things like that. What were those interviews like? Because I feel like the FaceTime interviews are probably a little bit more lighthearted while everyone tells us the Combine interviews are very intense. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even think the Combine interviews were that intense. Like, really, we just sat down. They asked me, like, a little bit of background about myself, and then we just talked Well, We turned on some film, and... I just told him my rules of the plays or what we was doing or where I was looking or how I fit something up. And so really most of my interviews was just talking football. I think they was just trying to like test my football IQ and really get a read into that because I'm a junior coming out and because I'm young and they don't know a lot about me. And so, yeah, I mean, I didn't really have a problem with interviews. Like, I haven't got no crazy questions. Like I've heard stories about guys getting crazy questions, but I never got none. What was your thought when Coach Peterson retired? It, had you guys seen it coming, or was this just co- a complete shock to everyone? Yeah, I don't think anybody saw it coming, honestly. I mean, we just got a text after the Apple Cup that we had a team meeting like the next morning or a couple of days after. And we all went in not knowing what it was going to be. We thought, about the, or we thought it was about the bowl game, honestly. And then Pete came in and told us that he was going to step down and that Lake was stepping up. Everybody was just in shock. We had some players crying, like the staff was crying. Wow. Like, Nobody saw it coming at all. But honestly, I think with Lake, um, the program's headed in a really good direction. I think he's just a competitor at heart, and he's going to do a lot of great things at the head coach position. Did Coach Peterson leaving have anything to do? Did it weigh into your uh, decision to leave early for the draft? Uh, No, honestly, it didn't. I think I already already had the decision at that point that I was going to leave, and I knew what I was going to do. Because really, he made the announcement after the season already ended after the regular season ended. And so at that point, I already knew that I wanted to come out and that was my plan. And so it didn't have any effect on it, but it was definitely a big surprise to everyone. Do you think that transition, though, is a smooth one? I know you just referenced that, you know, obviously Peterson retired, shocked people, people were emotional, but going to Lake, did that always feel like a, you know, a no-brainer kind of decision to transition to him? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if you watch him on the sideline during games, even during practice and just see how focused or how much of a competitor, how locked in he is and how detailed he is. I mean, it was really a no-brainer to have him step up as a head coach, especially like hiring in-house. Like you're not bringing in someone new. You're not changing the culture that we have. Like everything's more or less staying the same. Just I think a little bit more competition just within the team. You can like, you feel me? Yeah, Hunter, as far as uh, the next level for you, coming out of Washington, we talked about how you're, you're kind of a, a utility knife on offense. Is there a guy in the NFL that you've watched that said, okay, that's that's the type of player I'm going to be? Yeah, well, really, I I want to be my own player, honestly. But I think I watch a lot of Delaney Walker, mm, um, Evan Ingram, and kind of both of those guys because they they're both about my size. Like They're both around 6'2", 6'3", like 240, 250, like in between them. And they're both extremely productive at the tight end position. I think Delaney does a really great job run blocking and pass catching. Like, he's an overall great three-down tight end. And that Evan Ingram's just explosive, especially with the ball in his hand. And that's something I take a lot of pride in. He's just trying to make plays on my feet after the catch. And I, mean, I think he does a great job with that. So, really, I watch both of them, kind of see how they're able to be productive in the league and what I can do to 
I emulate that. Well, I think you just helped me write a scouting report on no yourself. Sure. So uh, help me out a little bit more because I have to write some on your, your teammates. So give me a little rundown of a guy like Jake Eason and the running back you have there in Ahmed. Yeah, well, I mean, well, Eason, I definitely think he has the strongest arm in the draft. I think he threw it the hardest in the little speed thing they did, like the fastball thing at the combine. I think he hit like 62 miles per hour or some crazy shit like that. No, nah, he's just a playmaker. I mean, he can do a lot of things with his arm. Um, no one's ever too deep down the field for him to get it to you. And, I mean, really, he just wins games. And then Savon, I mean, honestly, I think that's one of the most explosive backs in college. I think I see, if you watch his film and see what he did on the field, he could turn any run into a house call, really, especially with his speed, like his game speed. And so, I think having him and uh, offense as me was extremely fun this year. And we had a lot of fun with all the athletes we had. And now they're both going to be great players. The last one I got for you, just going back to your practices, I watched Miles Bryant play. I actually got to come out to the West Coast this year when you guys played USC. And when I watched Miles Bryant play, I mean, this is the feistiest small corner I have ever seen. Does he bring it like that in practice, too, when he's covering you guys? Oh, 100%. Me and him would go at it at practice. I could see that. <laughs> Did you just body him around? Nah, because he's strong. Like He's strong. He, he never falls over. His balance is some of the best I've ever seen out of any athlete in my life. And just his change of direction makes him such a unique player. And at that size, too, like, you don't really expect that coming out of him. But, like, when you really go up against him, like, every player, like, every practice, it just turns into a competition. Like, every rep, you got to go try to win that because he's definitely competitive, too. And we definitely got each other a lot better, I, I think, throughout um, both of our time at does. And so, now nah, like, he can do a lot of different things on the field. I think it's pretty cool to see. Like, I think last year he was playing nickel. This year he was playing safety. He's very versatile, too. So, nah, that's like, that's like big bro to me. So, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Awesome, Hunter, man. Thank you again for your time. And good luck, like you said. we got a, a, about three weeks to go. So, you're going to be a busy dude with a lot of FaceTime calls from these GMs. But uh, yes, it, try to enjoy this very unique process. And we'll be rooting for you, man, wherever you end up. All right, thank you. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Hunter. Good luck, man. Thanks again to Hunter Bryant for making time. Uh, A lot of people don't realize he had to wake up at like 7 a.m. Pacific time to do that interview this morning. Uh, There are very few people I will do that for. No, I mean, I would have been struggling. Uh, My sleep schedule is just all out of whack right now with the coronavirus thing. I get to sleep in uh, and I'm used to it. So for him to wake up at 7 o'clock and then come on and do an interview with somebody like you're right. There's no way I'm doing that. Well, and he sounded awake, which was what I was most pressed with. <laughs> oh, right. The, uh, he's not doing that from bed with his AirPods in, which no, is, was, do which, you ever hear no. me on radio in the morning? That's what I do. I was going to say, we've called some prospects before, and it's like, <laughs> oh, well, all right. I, th- we should just sometimes release the interviews that haven't aired before. Right. Please stop eating chips while on the phone. <laughs> all right. First question from <laughs> Stefan Flitcroft. That actually happened, by the way. I'm, I did not make that up. Could you see Baltimore adding a guy like Cesar Ruiz in the first round to replace Marshall Yanda on the interior of their O-line, considering the pieces they've added in defense through free agency? I definitely could. I think Baltimore is... Uh, anytime you're at the end of the first round, it's hard to predict a team, right? But I think Baltimore... Uh, because of some of the issues and needs that they have, I think Ruiz makes a lot of sense. I think Robert Hunt in the second round would make a lot of sense. But 
I can tell you, having seen Parker Ehringer play, uh, probably not a dude you want starting. So they're going to have to do something at that right guard spot. And I think that Baltimore is in a position to probably just take the best player available. There's not a lot of team needs on there. They're like dire needs have to address this position. So if they're sitting there in the first round and they think Ruiz is the best player on the board, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they go ahead and take him. Yeah, just take them. I mean, that's what the beauty is when you're like Baltimore and you plug in needs through trades for day three picks or low cost free agent signings. I think they're in position where and also let's keep in mind, guys, something that's not really discussed enough. I don't think this is a great interior offensive line class. So right. I, I don't know how long you really wait. I mean, I, I like someone like Robert Hunt a lot, but can he stay healthy? And, and that's been a problem on Baltimore's interior offensive line as it is. So it's interesting to me uh, how they play it and and where Ruiz comes off the board in this draft in general. Yeah, and uh, I'm so glad you said that. It is not a good interior offensive line class uh, at all. And so if you're Baltimore and, okay, we got to get a starter, uh, it, if it's not Ruiz in round one, I don't personally like Tyler Biedish as a starter uh, for a lot of teams. And so it's just where do you go to get that guy that, that can be a plug-and-play uh, starter? It, it's There aren't many out there, right? Next question, Riley Loveless. He's got two of them. First question, curious, how much does Tua, or anyone really, being left-handed affect his draft stock? So I've never, in a decade, I've never heard a team knock a quarterback for being left-handed. I know that we've, I mean, talked to Jerry Rice before, and he said that it's different. But no, I don't, I, nobody's going to get their draft stock knocked by being left-handed. I, the ball comes out, spins the opposite way, but I, I still can't imagine it's that much of a difference maker. And when you're going through an offseason, hopefully, and preparing with a quarterback who's left-handed, I don't think it's going to be any problem at all. No, I don't think it's a big deal. It's something that we've been asked about I feel like every draft cycle, and this is the year where we've actually been asked. I remember this, guys. We were asked about this with Tua when he was a freshman. People were like, well, when he's a draft prospect, how much is that going to affect him? And I think at this point, it just really doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at with it. Uh, it's it's not an issue anymore. Second question, who would have had the better numbers had they played out their careers? Bo Jackson or Barry Sanders? It's Barry Sanders, without a doubt. Bo Jackson was like a great athlete, two-sport star. He's a royal, so I love him. Barry Sanders played 10 years, and, I mean, he was unstoppable. He would have the rushing record and probably would have made it an unattainable number. Easily, yeah. I love Bo Jackson, too. I think that Bo Jackson is a little bit more iconic because of the, you know, Bo Knows campaign, playing two sports. Uh, his, His football career ended so soon. I mean, Barry Sanders... We saw what he could do on the football field. He didn't leave any questions like, oh, man, the potential. He did that shit for a very long time and then just decided to duck out a little bit early. So I think you have to say Barry Sanders. I think so, too. I actually don't think it's remotely close. I don't either. And I, right? I think, once again, iconic is the right word. Bo is more of just like like a legend in a sense. But in terms, just I mean, all you have to do is go on Pro Football Reference. It's not even the careers are nothing alike. Barry Sanders was, I mean, on a pace that was just not real, honestly. Behind a very shitty offensive line, and that's Scott Mitchell point. at quarterback. Right. Everybody I, knew what Barry was doing. Like, oh, he's going to get the ball, and he's probably going to take it for twenty yards or lose two. I know that Bo Jackson obviously did not die but we're talking about a guy who i think is boosted up because he got hurt 
It's right, almost like sure. um, certain players, you know, it's like either when you, if you die young or get hurt young, there's always the, oh, what could have been? It's they the could have been. Cobain theory. Yeah, absolutely. I don't agree with what you're saying, but I know what it is. It is that. And Bo Jackson, by the way, never rushed for a thousand yards in an NFL season. He retired with under 3,000 yards rushing. So, yes, it's tragic that he got hurt, but I don't. I think if you want to talk about greatest athletes of all time, okay, you can put him in the conversation. If you want to talk about greatest running backs of all time, no. Absolutely yeah, not. not. Hey, he was great on Tecmo, and I loved him. Like you said, Matt, he was a royal. Like, grew up loving Bo Jackson. Being like, this is the guy. But he, he really, he's, he's more of an icon and a, a myth and a legend than actual production. Mill yeah. Tickleson. This is the uh, this is the name of the person asking a question. Mill Tickleson. Do you think teams will have to do more work <laughs> to make sure prospects they're about to draft don't have COVID nineteen? So I've not thought about this honestly. I think because um, there's the there's a perception out there that young people without pre existing conditions are are able to beat this. You know, even Sean Payton said, you know, hey, it sucked. I did my two weeks. I- I'm fine. I think because you would assume that unless guys have had, you know, severe asthma in the past or, or you know, some kind of some kind of issue like that, these are young, healthy, athletic people. So you would think that it's going to hit them like, uh, you know, a, a hard flu and they're going to be able to bounce back. So I don't know that teams are going to dig in and say, better make sure Joe Burrow doesn't have COVID-19. Um, but I am sure that they're... You know you're you're gonna want to check in with those guys and make sure they're not laying in bed for two weeks with a fever. Yeah, and then like TBD on how the rest of the offseason goes. But I mean, definitely before they get in the locker room and into the team facilities, you're probably gonna want at least ask some questions. Uh, but you know, hopefully, we have all that cleared up soon. Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, exactly. It is fortunate where, I mean, I know it has affected young people, but there's just no way for a team right now. To know if a guy has, unless he publicizes it, which nobody would do. There's no way for a team to know if a no, guy. It would. It would be draft panic, and teams would drop guys down boards. I think. Exactly. Over nothing, like over something that's going to go away in a month. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, for them personally, oh, if they got it. Okay. I was like, why? Yeah. Like, hey, a, this isn't there. an ACL tear, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, it's it's a really bad sickness, so it shouldn't affect the draft board and where guys are, but. Also, if I'm a draft prospect and I test positive for it, I'm not putting it out there. If I tested positive for anything else, if I get an STI, I'm not putting it out there for teams. To be like, hey, it's okay. Got a 10-day script. This will be gone. I'm not putting it out there. Uh, They would find out, though. They would. They would definitely find out. Uh, Grant Gonsolin, who's just dominating draft on draft lately, with the recent subtweeting, what are the odds Deshaun Watson leaves Houston? Either by getting traded by the team or forcing his way out. Thanks for what you guys do. Show still running gives us some normalcy. Be safe. You be safe, Grant. Try to stay home. Wash those hands. Um, I think Deshaun Watson is a really, really good person. And I don't know that he would ever be the type of guy to say, trade me or I'm or just say, you know what? I'm not re-signing with you guys. I want out. You should probably trade me. I can't personally see him doing that. If he did, he would be 1000% justified in doing it, though. I mean, I kind of want to see it happen. Uh, not to yeah. be you know anything against the Texans, uh, but it would be interesting to see a franchise quarterback, one of the best young quarterbacks, say, you know what, I'm not going to resign here. And I think that you know Deshaun Watson, being a stand-up guy that he is, maybe going to the front office and just saying, like, hey, 
I'm not coming back here. Maybe that is the right move and something that he can do. I personally, I would love to see it. I want to see what the return on investment is for a Deshaun Watson. I mean, if the Dolphins call and they offer three first round picks, I think Bill O'Brien is probably going to immediately say yes. Like they need to be calling at least uh, to gauge the market and see. I was going to say, I mean, what is the price for Deshaun Watson right now? Or And don't give me the Bill O'Brien price. Before right, the <laughs> real price. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's under roster control for two more years. Cheap yeah. roster control. Like, if you're the Dolphins, Man. I think you at least see. With one franchise tag year in there, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah you, guys, I you, got three, Dolphins, you got three more years if yeah. you wanted it. Hell, any, he almost won't any do team. it. He won't do it because he is too good of a person. But I'll tell you, if if there's someone advising him out there to save his career, sometimes you have to be the bad guy for mm-hmm. yourself. I'm sorry, and I know Texas Texans fans probably want to strangle me right now, but you guys know who his I, agent is, right? No, and David Mulligetta, who uh, I think is one of the best agents in football, and he's got some guys moved out of some. Jay yes, Ramsey. yes, he has. <laughs> Yeah. What was that? Uh, Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Done. Uh, yeah. So Deshaun Watson's going to have a hurt back and can't play in week one. Right. And right. Be on the trade market. Uh, I, he deserves so much better. He he really does. And, you know, Texans fans do, too, because that yeah. is a good fan base. And I like what you're doing. Guy. You you hit on getting a good receiver, getting two guys that can pressure the quarterback, getting your quarterback, and then you're – Coach GM just getting rid of guys left and right. I mean, it, it seems like Clowney was traded for next to nothing. You trade Hopkins for a second round pick and a bad running back that you're going to have to pay. I mean, I, it sucks. But if I'm Deshaun Watson, you're right. I'm I'm probably thinking if they don't fix this soon, if they don't make some moves in that front office, I might I would ask for a way out. And he wants to win. That's the thing. It's not you know. What I mean, this is a guy that. That won at the college level when nobody expected him to. I think he he knows a thing or two about what a good organization looks like, what Clemson was building over there at the real beginning of it. So, I don't know. I'm I'm curious. I'll watch it. I'll say that. I'm very curious to keep an eye on how, you know, how much can he take is the question. Yeah. Last question from It Means No Corys. This is a fun one. Who wins more games this season, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? It's a tough one. I want to. I know. Like, I want to take a push. Oh, I'm taking Brady. By the way, I don't know. I'm I think I'm Brady. Too. Also, I'm taking Brady. Yeah, I, I because I that, still don't. Yeah, go ahead, Melo. I, I think that that roster is good enough to win, maybe even like 12 games. Yeah, I, I, I really yeah, I do. And you look at all the numbers last year of like how close they were in certain games, and the games they lost where Jameis Winston threw a pick six. I I think Tom Brady is good for at least three to four more wins than they had last year, and then just building upon what they did last year, I I really think that they can be a pretty damn good team. Now, I did get sick of everybody being like, oh, you know where the Super Bowl is playing this year? Like, pump the fucking brakes here. <laughs> oh, I, it's in Tampa Bay. Cool. But this is going to be a really good team, I think. I, I think they can compete in their division. You look at the AFC East, I don't know if the Patriots are competing. And I'm coming, I'm leading the Jared Stidham bandwagon here. I don't know if he's ready to win a lot of games here. I mean, even if they go eight wins, I think Brady gets more than eight wins next year. Yeah, I think so too. The, I worry about the Bucks' offensive line 
and I worry about their secondary a little bit, but that is a good team. I mean, you, they just re-signed to Dominican Sue. They have Vita Vea, Shaq Barrett coming back on the tag. Um, got Levante David and Devin White, a linebacker. And there's a, a lot of talent on this team. And I, I do agree with you completely, Melo, that if you just look at the games that they barely lost when Jameis Winston was completely idiotic at the quarterback position, you're not... Brady's not going to, you know, have a streak of consecutive pick sixes. It's not going to happen. So you might lose some of the big plays, but you're definitely losing a lot of the bad plays that contributed to these losses. All right, that is our show, and we will be back Friday morning. Um, we'll have something to talk about. Hopefully have a guest. I've uh, been talking to a we couple players. Do. Yeah, we always find something. We'll find something. And hopefully we'll have, we we might just do another show where we just have guests. I, I could feel something like that happening very, very soon as no pro days, no private workouts, not as much draft news as you would expect as we sit here three weeks before the April 23rd kickoff of round one. From Ella for Connor Smith, we'll talk to you guys real soon. Mm-hmm.